Jason, Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Oh, we, I, I, we're not playing the Vikings song today, I guess, because the what happened last night. Michael Broadcorp is our Vikings expert. Also, he's a political commentator. We'll talk to both categories today. But we start with talking about the Vikings last night. They lose 12 to 10 in not exactly a scoring monster house. Uh, Michael, first of all, you were at the game. How, you know, how do you feel after you walked out of that one? You know, there was, it was, there was highs and lows. There was ups and downs. Um, I'm glad I got to experience it. I will note that someone on social media posted this and I saw it today about the game and it should be, it should be preserved. I don't know what the retention record policy is for post X or Twitter. It's whatever it's called. But someone sent this out last night that said, if you are a loved one, watch the Vikings bear game, you may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> um, it was just perfect. It was, it was, it was, you know, I was there with family. It was, uh, the, the game was, uh, not, I did not watch it at home. What I've heard from people that were watching at home that it's been single handedly called one of the worst Monday night football games ever. It wasn't much better in the, in the stadium. Um, a lot of sloppy play. Um, but I'm glad I got to experience the high and lows. I do want to share one quick story. Sure. As I was walking out of the Vikings, uh, I was walking out of the the uh, the stadium last night, uh, and the and with my daughter, one of the best kind of comebacks that the Vikings fans were kind of you know kind of hurling at the Bears fans is they were they were touting in essence saying, "Look, thank you guys, you're still four and eight. You're four and eight. You're four and eight. They, they were literally debating about the Vikings record. And I explained to my daughter, I said, that's the Vikings fans in a microcosm. They lose a game. They should have won. You have these lonely bear fans leaving. They have an afford eight record and the Vikings fans. That's what they can come up with. What they fail to acknowledge is they they are one of the four wins that the bears got this season. Yeah. Uh, how about we do start with a positive? You can't criticize the defense at all. The defense did exactly what they, the defense did exactly what they needed to do. And sure, that last drive they were able to go down the field, but don't look at the defense. They only gave up twelve points, and Chicago never once saw the end zone. Correct. The Vikings did. Yes, the Vikings defense did everything they they could. And starting from the positive perspective, that's a great place to start. And probably the only thing that we can be positive <laughs> about about last night is, and it's good that we're starting that way as Vikings fans. The um, Dobbs, uh, four interceptions, uh, his problem is this, and it's interesting because you definitely his legs are something that Kirk Cousin doesn't have and was clearly something that was not, you know, something that defenses initially were not prepared for. But now we're looking at it, he can't throw the ball with accuracy deep. And, and deep, I mean by 30 yards or more. He's not exactly, we're not going Hail Marys into the end zone. But he's he clearly has some consistency issues, throwing deep passes. And, yeah, that was something that, you know, the, the Bears' defensive game plan was this. We're going to stop the run. We'll stop short passes. And he just has to throw the ball downfield. And it was a good plan because they, got, they picked him off four times. Correct. And one of the things I think we've talked about in these kind of post-Viking games analysis that other people have wondered is, uh, you know, if my math is correct, Dobbs has been playing for, for seven years, and he has spent his time with uh, the Steelers, Jaguars, Browns, Lions, Titans, and the Arizona Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Um, 
one of the discussions that we had after we had a, you know, a couple wins here and a few wins here in a row with Josh Dobbs is what was, what did the other teams not see in Josh Dobbs? Did the Vikings just, you know, hit the jackpot here or were there decisions that uh, other teams mistakenly made, you know, and, you know, one of them is, is Cleveland who's down a quarterback, um, you know, and I think it's fair to say after last night's game, that we, I think, the Vikings fan base and maybe the Vikings organization saw, maybe for the first time, why he has been with so many teams over his seven-year career. Yeah. He he definitely, you know, he does bring some skills there, but once the defense knows how to play him, and Denver sort of saw that, and they kind of they picked up on it, although it wasn't as, I think, of they The Bears' defense, to give them credit, they really played a game which Dobbs just could not win, and it, and eventually he did get into the end zone that one TD, uh, touchdown pass to TJ Hawkinson, but it was it was clear, especially in the first half, that you know Dobbs just had, had no idea what to do there. Correct, and um, as someone also pointed out on social media, they said it seems that Dobbs did better as a Vikings quarterback when he didn't when he knew less of the playbook. <laughs> um, it did it did seem. It did seem you're realizing, Matt, that my best analysis comes from listening to other smart people and reviewing social media. That's pretty good. Um, That's pretty the good. other thing, the other thing, other thing is I would say is he just seemed overwhelmed last night. He seemed uh, uncomfortable, out of place, and I do wonder if there is um, if he's if he's just you know learning more about the Vikings uh, scheme, um, how they play their play calling if. He just hasn't adapted to that next level that where they where he where he can be. You obviously can't win a game when you're just running kind of those those simple plays. There needs to be some depth to the play calling. But last night he just seemed incredibly out of sorts, and mm-hmm. it was just a very it was an ugly game. It was just well, an ugly game, uh, ugly game to watch. Your comment about the depth of the playing calling is spot on because I want to go through one series with you. Vikings score the touchdown. The Bears get the ball back immediately fumble. We are in Bears territory, which is not a place we were at a lot. And here are the three plays that we tried. Now, once again, there was two minutes and there was two and a half minutes left at the end of this series. So there was, you have to understand you're up by one point. You need to get points. You, you, this is not a run out the clock situation. You need first downs. You need to move the ball down the field. And the first play was Madison up the middle for no gain. Second play was a one-yard game by Madison to the right tackle. Third play was a pass, which was basically at the line of scrimmage, which, once again, you're then hoping that the defense allows your guy to run 10 yards. That was just such poor play calling. And I don't think that's Dobbs. I think that's the sideline. It's. I don't know. They, they pulled a PJ Fleck. They basically sat there and started celebrating before the game was over. And the reality is, you got three minutes here, and you do not want to get. I mean, they don't have to go a hundred yards. They just have to go sixty-five, seventy, and they'll have a shot at winning this game. And they that that was incredibly disappointing. How badly the play calling was at that moment because that was a key series, which basically ended up costing the Vikings the game. That was the most angry. I heard the crowd, and there was booing and, and heckling and kind of just general kind. Of, but the, 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 that series of play, and you were you're very insightful by by selecting that play call. That's where things just started to get ugly in the stadium because there there was a lot of venting and yelling about the play calling and how that how that how they played out that last that last kind of series, and it led to the Bears coming back. 
and uh, it was very frustrating to play going. It was not a well, I mean, you know, it was not a well, it was not a great game. And uh, both teams, nothing, uh, for, there's a lot of work that both those teams need to, need to do. That game was clearly winnable for the Vikings. Um, and they're getting these situations where they just, there's that kind of sloppy play calling. And there are a fair number of P.J. Fleck references, and it's justified in that situation. It's absolutely justified. The, po- the, the positive, the one other positive thing that we, we have to note is that as, as of today, uh, and I always check before our calls, uh, the Vikings are still uh, on a playoff spot. Yes. Well, and they do. And the coaching staff has come on out here and said, you and I talked last week in, in the Denver game, if Justin Jefferson played in that game, the, the Vikings would have won. I still think even right. if he would have played in the game last night, Justin Jefferson brings such a dynamic, they would have beaten the Bears. I, I understand that Dobbs has got a problem throwing the ball deep, but now I think we are understanding maybe the reason why Jefferson hasn't come back might be a little bit the injury, but maybe it's they already know. It's like Dobbs really can't throw the balls with consistency 40 yards. We need him to do it, especially in high-pressure situations. So now they're basically saying they're going to reevaluate the quarterback situation, and whoever can throw the ball with consistency and accuracy to Jefferson will be the starting quarterback in two weeks when they, they come back from their bye week. Yeah, there's a much-needed bye week right now for this team, and we'll see what they do. I wonder um, – I, I, I just have a feeling – I mean, your take, do you think they go with Dobbs? I think they still do. I honestly do. I just I just don't know. I mean, the the rookie with the concussion, uh, I don't think that he's he's you know, going to be the guy there. Um, but I think that um, – and Mullins, I mean, it's – you know, he's got a little bit more uh, of an, an issue there – but I, so Dobbs is one there. It just it's you've got to have a game plan that is a little bit more than than just kind of hoping that that one of these guys can get the ball down the field. Jared Hall, Jaron Hall was the guy, the, the player that got the concussion. Mullins, Nick Mullins is the injured to the lower back. So Dobbs is still probably your number one starter. But I think we both can say this now: it's clear if you're the Vikings, you 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 you're going to Kirk Cousins and saying, "Guess what? You can come back." You know, we, we'll give you a contract. Yeah. Might not be as much money as you were going to get before because of the injury, but you know, you know, your 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 seat here on the bench is still warm, and we'll have you back for it. I think that that they got to just get through this season, and then it's get Kirk Cousins back, and hopefully he's healthy. Yes, I think I think I think they do start Dobbs. I think you know Jaron Hall. They, they they may take some additional looks at. I do think you're I do think you're spot on with discussing that. You know, Dobbs, you know, delivered us, you know, some wins. I had been, I think, more consistent. And, you know, that might opportunity still might exist. We don't know. But as of now, I think Cousins has a clear opportunity to come back because it wasn't that last night's game was bad. It was really bad. And it was a very, very difficult game uh, to watch, to experience. And it was a tough loss because it was well within reach of the Vikings to win. Uh, one last positive note on football before we go back to politics here, but um, I will say this: they are six and six right now. They got five more games: Raiders, Bengals, Lions at home, Packers at home, Lions on the road. Um, there is a legitimate chance this team could go win five games, and if if they win out the season, especially with Detroit playing the week before they play us in Detroit at Dallas. There's a still a legit chance the Vikings could win the NFC North, and I'm not saying they will, but they, if they win all five of these games, I don't see how they don't win the NFC North. 
You're exactly right. If they can win, and and that's a really surprising position for the Vikings to be in right now. Yeah. Um, based on you know based based on last night's play, I will tell you, Matt. Um, I've been I was talking to my I've been going to Vikings games for forty four. I'm going to be fifty uh, fifty next month. I've been going to Vikings games for forty plus years, forty eight years, forty seven years. Hands down, one of the worst games I've ever seen. Even, I mean, just because it was such such sloppy play on both sides. Um, if but if that team can get it together uh, and they can get into a streak there, it's absolutely possible um, that they could that they. I, I think it's very. I think it's likely they make the playoffs. I, I think there's also there's also a path for the Vikings to win the division. But if the team that showed up last night shows up for the Raiders, the Bengals, the the two Lions game, and the Packers, then we got real problems. Yeah. Then we got one. La- there are one one last negative thing I do want to say about last night that I was just not happy with. Uh, Adrian Peterson was there, and I'm not a fan of Adrian Peterson. Uh, no, and no. he was there. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say there I, last I, night I, he did the he he led the scold chant with Chuck Foreman and Robert Smith before the game. Um, there was some noticeable booing in the crowd um, when he was there, and and I just uh, uh, it was a bad omen for the game. I think to have uh, Adrian Peterson walking around. Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium last night. It just was not a good experience. A lot of people wanting to forget a lot of things there. Let's just put it that way. All right. So yeah. uh, two weeks, we're going to talk uh, after the Raiders game. We'll, we'll talk after that. I want to get into politics because there's something. You, you've got your podcast, The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, which you do have. Don Samuels, who is challenging Ilhan Omar for the primary for the Minnesota 5th Congressional District race, was on your podcast. He said a, a comment here. I've already played this once before in the last hour, but I'm going to play it again. And once again, for everyone that's listening, the first part of this, this is just standard politics. It kind of takes a turn there at the end of this. Uh, Patrick, if you could play that one more time. And so to see government not be responsive like that to the people who pay them, it is offensive to me. And to not be responsive and available to those people, to, to meet with them and find out what their concerns are and to answer their tough questions... To not get back to people on the phone? Who do you think you are? And who do you think you're working for? You're not cute enough. You don't dress well enough. Nothing about you is attractive enough to overcome that deficit. Uh, The the first part of that is standard political talk, and that's just what it is. That's the game. That last part, you're not cute enough, you don't dress well enough, nothing about you is attractive enough to overcome that deficit. You, this is your podcast, man. First of all, your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a rough, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it, the interview speaks for itself. It's him. I, I, he is, uh, it, you know, it, it speaks for, I think it speaks for itself. And it is certainly a comment that, um, has gotten some attention. Um, and I think that it's it, the concerns that, that folks have. Uh, I think it's completely, their frustration can be justified in, in that comment. I understand. I understand. I don't, I, I don't, I've read the, the quote, read the context, um, read everything. And uh, I struggle a bit with, uh, I understand his point. Um, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Uh, and I think it's important. Um, I just don't know how that's going to go over in the fifth. 
you and I talk about this before. It's called we call it an unforced error, and it doesn't mean he's in he's in real big trouble. But he does he's going to have to address that because that one is especially in Minnesota five. That's. Uh, that's not a good comment to make, and that's going to get traction. I guarantee that there. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is there, the report from the reformer that there is a group that is trying to oust David Hahn as the head of the Minnesota GOP. My personal belief is if the, the, the Republican Party has any chance at taking back the Minnesota House next year, Hahn has to be the guy in charge. If they put a MAGA guy in charge, they got no chance. They'll probably lose seats, as a matter of fact. Am I off base on that, or do you think that that's a, a fair assessment? Yes. First of all, I don't think that there's. I don't think that the effort that's uh, being organized against the chairman, Chairman Han, and um, is has any basis. I don't think it's procedurally allowed, and I don't think that there's any rational basis. The chairman was just reelected to an, ele- an election. He won. Um, there's a pathway for that to happen if people want to remove the party office and do this. But I don't. I, I for the life of me. I cannot comprehend why anyone would want the chairman of the Republican Party, Chairman Hand, to be removed. It would. The Republicans have been trying to get their footing, uh, getting some stabilization uh, around their efforts, and, and I think that Chairman Hand, um, and he and I have had our different differences over the years. But Chairman Hand is right now a steady hand at the till that's needed right now at the Republican uh, at the Republican Party. Got a got a good executive director in that they that they that they've hired. Um, I think it would be a, a cataclysmic mistake to do that. It would be a cataclysmic mistake to do that. And I'm not um, not supportive of it. I'm not a delegate. I'm not, an alt- I'm not an alternate. But I think that the Republican Party, both nationally and this state, has to stop shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to this stuff. And, and to piggyback a little bit and go back to the, the comment from the Samuels interview, I think it is important when anyone is talking that, that, they're, that they're engaging in meaningful, um, responsible rhetoric on both sides of the aisle. And, Matt, we've discussed both examples. And I think there is just uh, – I, I, I don't – again, not my words. I don't agree with what was said. I don't even want to try and justify and explain what was said. There's obviously a context, and there's some statements made that the listeners can listen to it. But I think that this is important times, and we need to be talking about important issues. Mm-hmm. And on both sides of the aisle, we're experiencing this type of stuff. And I think it's incumbent upon uh, public officials um, and candidates running to engage in responsible commentary and think proactively yeah. about how they're going to message themselves. Right now, there is, uh, there is a group of inside the Republican Party who are engaging, who are both arsonists and firefighters. They are out there starting fires, and then they want to be the solution and pull them out. And I don't think that that is helpful and productive in this environment. Yeah. Likewise, uh, you know, in the 5th congressional district, uh, you know, we had a great conversation with Don Samuels. And, and I would say I would hope, and one of the things that he pointed out that I hope happens, I do hope there's debates. I do hope there's substantive conversations and discussions about what's going on. But when you, when you conduct interviews, your public record, your votes, all that stuff is fair game to be scrutinized and both sides. And that's where that's how the process works. But when a candidate, when an incumbent is running, they want to. Generally speaking, when the incumbent is running, they want to talk about the positives of their record. When a challenger is running, they want to talk about the challenger. I would not talk about the challenger in in, in the language that was used. 
Um, that will be an issue for the voters in the 5th District to decide. And Chairman Han, and th- thank you very much. I, I mispronounced that. Thank you, uh, Chairman Han. I said the other way. But, no, you're right. And people overlook the fact that Han is basically dealing with the mess that he inherited, and that was a big mess. Correct. And the same thing is, I'll say this about Samuels, his first point, that's valid politics. Criticizing someone because you don't think they're accessible to the constituents, that's legit. It's where it takes a turn when that becomes a problem. So you're exactly right. Spot on, as always. Michael Broadcorp. And I hope. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. No, I just want to say closing. I'm glad that you and I have found a way, aside from Vikings coverage, to always fairly kind of, you know, call out both sides for this type of stuff. I'm not trying to gauge in both sides, but what I appreciate about our conversations as Republicans and Democrats that we're, we're not afraid to to speak up on on our sides or other sides. So we used that, they we used to do this all the time. We don't do it anymore. That's why it's not so unique. This is how things used to be, folks. In the eighties, this is how things used to be. All right, uh, Michael. Two weeks. We'll talk to you after the the, the uh, Chargers game or excuse me, the, the Raiders game. Okay. I hope it's good news. I hope it's good news, my friend. Take care. Michael Broadcorp, I'll post all this stuff a little bit later. Final break. Come on back. Wrap up the hour. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950.